Hello, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, a show where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So Rena, what did you get obsessed with this week? I have really weird sleeping patterns, and in the time of corona, where they're sort of messed up even more because of the lack of schedule and everything's all over the place. I've been just, you know, thinking about sleep this week and I take a lot of naps mainly because I don't sleep during the night very much so I have to compensate during the day. This week I got a really funny voice message from you. Let's see if we can try and find it. I'll just play it here. Afternoon naps are bad because when you wake up you don't know who you are, what time it is or what's happening. Yeah, and along with taking these really absurd naps during the day, I've also been having really weird dreams. And it's not like they're totally fantastical and absurd dreams. Everything about the dream seems completely normal. And then at the last second, something odd happens. For example, I had this dream that I was at my friend's apartment. Um, We'd been at a bar and then I'd gone over to hers and I'd asked if I could stay over because I didn't want to go all the way home. And then she was like, oh yeah, of course. And she leads me to the back of her apartment and all of a sudden there's a spiral staircase and she takes me upstairs and there's 12 bedrooms and she's running an Airbnb or something from there. And I was just like, what? So it's just been an ongoing series of these kind of very generic and kind of mundane, but then also very odd dreams. Yeah, me too. I had a dream this week that... I was eating breadfruit, but it was kind of bready and pink. I don't know what breadfruit is or if it's a thing or what it looks like. But anyway, this kind of pink bready substance was coming from a beheaded man and it was placed between his hair and his brain, sort of that in-between bit of his scalp, and you just tore off pieces of this breadfruit. And I felt a little bit strange eating it because I'm a vegetarian, but it is a fruit. So it's vegetarian, it's just, it came from this man's head. We're obviously not the only ones having vivid and kind of insane dreams during this time. A lot of my friends have been posting on Instagram that they too have been having sort of vivid and weird dreams. And this website has developed called I Dreamed of COVID where people can submit their dreams. And there's this really interesting one from someone from Massachusetts and it's called A Reoccurring Dream. And I would just read it out quickly. It's from April 22nd, 2020. They are fairly normal. I'm doing things with people. I'm out in the world. And it feels either mundane or surreal or whatever. But there's always a moment when I look around and remember, oh my God, I forgot it's a pandemic. And all of these people here are not social distancing and none of us are wearing masks. Then my next thought is, wait, is the pandemic over? Is it okay to be out now? But how didn't I hear about it? And why didn't anyone tell me? Why would they not tell me? And then as a third thought, Did I dream the pandemic? Did I make it up? Am I crazy? And people were just humoring me for a while? All of these thoughts hit me in quick succession. I find myself too paralyzed with anxiety and panic to say anything out loud in my dreams. I open my mouth to ask these questions and nothing comes out except a cough. And then I realize I can't talk. I can only cough. All around me, people stare. And then everyone else stares, starts coughing too. And then we're all coughing and coughing, painful dry coughing rasping coughing until finally I wake up with a start and this is how all my dreams that might have been good or at least neutral end up being nightmares. I spent ages on this site because it's a really good mirror of our collective subconscious 
and you can get perspectives from loads of different people in loads of different locations. The one that I particularly like is from April the 13th and it's from a woman in Italy who is between 20 and 29 years old and this is her dream. I dreamed that the situation of emergency was ended. So, finally, I went to my beautician. I decided to get my nails done, but the beautician wasn't able to put the nail polish on because she had been too long a time without working and she had forgotten how to do her job. It just made me laugh so much for some reason. And I don't really like stereotype, but this is the Italian woman's version of anxiety. So yeah, it's a really great site. Everyone should check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. So Leon Neuroscience Research Center and quite a few other institutions have been studying this and they found a 35% increase in dream recall during these corona times and a 15% increase in negative dreams at this time. So the coronavirus is interfering with our sleep patterns and our dreams by making them either more bizarre or vivid and this is for a number of reasons. The first is because of anxiety for waking up a lot more during the night and so we recall our dreams a lot more. Secondly because we're living in a new reality and it's quite emotional or anxiety inducing for a lot of people. At night the function of dreams is for us to kind of process everything that's happening during the day and in our real world. So we've got quite a lot of processing to do. And then the third reason is also that maybe because while we're kind of isolated, we don't have as much input to process during the night. So our subconscious minds are digging deeper into old memories to come up with material to create dreams. And the pandemic has also shown that healthcare workers or people who are closer to the epicenter of the virus are having way more vivid dreams about the virus itself. And this mirrors something that was shown when people studied the survivors of the L'Aquila earthquake in Italy. And they found that sleep disorders and nightmares depended on the proximity of people to the epicenter. So in this case also, the more vivid and stressful dreams happen to people who are working closer to the epicenter of the virus and then spreading outwards. Yeah, so it's, you know, extremely comforting to know that in this very odd time, everyone is having all these sort of weird, vivid dreams. Also, just to know that, like, some people are having completely generic, mundane dreams that are somehow kind of absurd as well, like me. And I'm like, I've always sort of had kind of a weird relationship with sleep. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I mean, I've never been diagnosed with insomnia or anything. I'm sort of self-diagnosed in that sense. I take three to four hours to fall asleep. Sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I'm really not. If I go to bed at 11, I'll fall asleep around 2, 2.30, sometimes 3. And I also have problems staying asleep because I'm like an incredibly light sleeper. So if there's too much light, if a car makes a loud noise outside my window, if someone talks outside my door, I'll be awake. And then it'll take me the same amount of time to fall back asleep. So naturally, I just, it's been a long, complicated road, me and sleep. So it's kind of been a subject that's always interested me in that sense. I was watching an episode of QI recently where they were talking about sleep. And they brought up the question, why do we sleep? What's the science behind sleeping? And it turns out that we sleep to clean our brains. But I guess until recently, they didn't really know why we sleep. In fact, in the QI episode that was recorded quite recently, Sandy Toxvic actually says that they don't really know why they sleep, that there is a study done by the University of Rochester at their medical center that sort of came up with this theory, which I think since has been proven to be correct. Uh, what you're talking about is correct. Laura Lewis and her team of researchers 
at Boston University Lab actually showed how sleep is a way for the body to clear toxins from the brain. And sleep has a very distinct function. So during sleep, neurons can turn off all at the same time. And then this allows substantial waves of cerebrospinal fluid to circulate around the brain and clear out all the metabolic byproducts that accumulate. For example, beta amyloid, which is the substance that has been shown to like cause Alzheimer's and stuff like that. Yeah, so sleep is essentially the human version of have you tried turning it on and off again? <laughs> you know, along those lines, it's crazy to me then, A, that my body doesn't want to sleep that much, but also that people purposely choose not to sleep. There's this guy called Randy Gardner. He was, at the time, a 17-year-old high school student in San Diego, California. And for a science fair project in 1964, Gardner did not sleep for 264 hours straight, which is just over 11 days. Um, there were scientists who were monitoring him. And it's actually incredibly interesting because staying awake for 17 hours has the same health effects as having two glasses of wine. And after three or four nights without sleep, you can start to hallucinate. And the effects of sleep deprivation intensify the longer a person stays awake. After going without sleep for 48 hours, your cognitive performance will worsen and you will start to feel fatigue. And at that point, your brain will like start to shut down for brief periods of unconsciousness. So they call this microsleep. And it's also really interesting to note that if you live to be 78, you will have spent around 25 years of your life sleeping. Not me, because I essentially barely sleep, but, you know, normal people. I think I would have spent way longer than that sleeping in my life, because I sleep a lot. I don't understand why you would stay up for ages. And I really don't understand either. Sorry, Rena. How people can be insomniac. For me, I like I just lie down and then sleep straight away. In order to take a nap, I don't know how to take a nap. If I take a nap, I will sleep for five hours straight. So recently I've started taking coffee naps where I drink a really strong espresso before I go to sleep. And then it somehow wakes me up within the hour at least. But also I think my relationship to sleep is also a bit strange but sort of the opposite of your relationship to sleep. So my response also to stress or anxiety or if I have to get a lot of stuff done is just, first of all, I need to sleep. I can't function without any sleep. And also, if I have to do an exam or something, rather than stay up and study, I would just put the books next to me in the bed and then go to sleep and trust the power of my subconscious to kind of absorb them or something. And I noticed this also, you know, when I'm really stressed, I just really feel very sleepy. And I think it's a little bit like how people stress eat. So you eat when you're stressed or stressed or anxious because your body goes into this survival mode. And if you feed yourself, then the body knows that you're not in danger anymore. You're not going to starve. Everything's okay. And I think if you allow yourself to go to sleep, you're also calming your body down and showing it that everything's kind of okay. But I had this strange thing quite a few years ago where I think I was, I was anxious, emotionally anxious or something. And I kept on waking up to the smell of burning, which everyone says is basically basically the sign of a stroke but it wasn't a stroke and it wasn't a brain tumor and nobody could figure out why it was but I think that was really my subconscious telling me like you need to wake up something's not right and it was some really weird reaction that happened in my sleep and I would wake up I would smell it it would be really real for like five seconds after I woke up as well and now whenever something is not right in my life really emotionally stressful 
I smell burning in my sleep. And that's when I know something has to change. Yeah, sleep is such an individual and personal thing, isn't it? Some people are early risers. Some people sleep really late. And I think that as a society, we have these misconceptions that people that sleep late are sort of lazy or unproductive. And people who get up early are, you know, the winners in life. Benjamin Franklin actually has this famous saying where he said, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. This is so ingrained in society that people who don't conform to, you know, society's patterns are thought of as bad or lazy. And there's actually a really interesting article in Vox called Can't Get to Sleep, Science is on Your Side, where they talk about how it's completely normal for some people to sleep in late, that we all have different body clocks. And we've until now never really acknowledged the fact that not all people run on the same pattern. Because, you you know, some of us are morning people. Some of us are evening people. I'm sure that everyone's talked to a friend who's been like, oh, like I'm so unproductive in the morning. That's me, wildly unproductive in the morning but give me a task to do at 10 p.m i will be so efficient at doing it and if you give me the same task at 10 a.m it will take me hours to complete i wrote all of my papers for school in the middle of the night they actually found that about 40 percent of all people their sleeping patterns don't fit into society's sleeping patterns so they're on my side so I just, you know, if it's in our genes, whether or not we sleep late and how our internal body clocks function, I just always think it's really weird that people who sleep late are referred to as night owls, but there's nothing for people who get up early. You know, we don't call them, well, I guess we call them morning birds. I don't know, am I making that up? I just feel like there's unnecessary hate against people who sleep late and it's not their fault. Yeah, there was actually research on this. So a lot of people transition from being a night person to a morning person as they age. So I used to be a night person, but now increasingly my peak time is in the morning and like three hours after I wake up is basically I can get so much stuff done. But another really interesting change that's happened over the last 250 years for us in modern society is that our skulls have kind of changed and this has been influencing our sleeping patterns as a species. Science suggests that crooked teeth, overbites, narrow jaws and crimped nasal airways are actually a modern phenomenon. So if you look at skeletal remains from just even 300 years ago, human beings always had straight, perfectly aligned teeth, wide jaws and flat palates and large nasal passages, which meant that they could breathe through their nose healthily. But now, because our skulls are getting sort of smaller as a species, and our nasal passages are becoming more cramped. A lot of children are experiencing problems uh, like sleep apnea, which is they're not sleeping as well. And this is affecting a whole host of other problems like behavioral problems, hyperactivity, cognitive behavioral problems, depression, all of this kind of stuff. So if you look at children's skulls from pre-Roman times, they all have perfectly straight teeth. And I think like for me, for example, I've had my molars uh, removed because I had too many teeth in my mouth. And almost everyone I know had exactly the same. So the way that our faces and our skulls are changing as a species is influencing our sleep. And a study found that restricting children's sleep by 30 minutes a night for less than a week lowered their neuropsychological functioning by the equivalent of two years. And a meta-analysis summing up the findings of 21 studies discovered that young children with sleep-disordered breathing on average earned grades 12% lower than their peers 
So it's really important and it doesn't really bode well for the human race, these these changes that have been caused, the air we're breathing, um, industrialised society, the way we've changed our eating and breastfeeding patterns, all of that has kind of contributed to our evolution as a species, which is influencing our sleep and then also our brains on a bigger level. We think of evolution as this thing that happens and is done, but our bodies are still evolving, our brains are still shrinking, our elbows are still narrowing, and yeah, our sleep is changing. And actually, one of the reasons why humans don't hibernate is just evolution. Um, Firstly, because our ancestors were tropical animals with no history of hibernating, and humans have only migrated into temperatures where hibernating would be necessary in the last 100,000 years or so. And that's just not enough time to evolve and adapt to hibernation. But also because we just we discovered fire, clothes, shelter, hunting, and just all those things that you need to survive in the cold. So we just never had to. And just a fun fact to round it all off, you actually don't save that much energy by sleeping at night. You actually only save 107 calories per night. So you're not even conserving that much energy. And to finish off, I hope everyone is getting enough sleep at this time. Sleep is such a beautiful thing. It's one of my hobbies. Whenever I think of sleep, I think of Macbeth and these beautiful Shakespeare lines. Sleep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care, the death of each day's life, sore labour's bath, balm of hurt mind, great nature's second course, chief nourisher of life's feast. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsession with us. Next week, we'll be discussing romance and love in the time of Corona. So if you have anything to say about that, tweet us. I am at Rina underscore Grobe underscore and Madvi is at Madvi Romani. You will find links to our Twitter and Instagrams in our show notes, as well as links to all the content we have discussed this week. Until next time, thank you for listening.